AOC is A-OK. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has reaped the whirlwind on Capitol Hill. Does she have staying power, or is she a shooting star? Welcome to the Fury Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. And I'm joined by my two comrades in arms, and I mean comrades in the best sense of the word, Adam Belmar and John Easton. Adam Belmar, is she a shooting star, or does she have staying power? You know what? I think it's a little hard to tell. We still don't know the ABCs of AOC. (laughs) She's been on the job for like six weeks, literally. Um, I think one thing we can say is she is straight out of the gate. She's the hottest thing in Washington in terms of media attention. So she's a shooting star. Will she have staying power? That goes to political calculations, whether she gets challenged and primaried, whether she gets reelected. Right now, if I had to guess, I'd say she's got staying power, too. Johnny, who does she remind you of in the political sphere? Uh, I think that you have to go back uh, just a couple of years only, and it's Ted Cruz, senator from Texas, who just, if you want to just go to 2013, when in the Senate, he was really single-handedly responsible for um, causing uh, the government shutdown at that time. I was there actually in the Senate watching this. And, 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 and the reason why I think they're very, very similar is because um, it was very clear at that time, based on uh, Ted Cruz's moves, that it was, he had no strategy and he had, he had no end game. It was really all about him. And it was about him trying to make sure that he kept his anti-establishment bona fides. That's what he was all about at that time. Now, when he ran for president, um, you know, the, the Senate Republicans hated his guts, wouldn't support him, thought they, that he had really turned on them at a, at a critical time, which he did. And now you're seeing a different kind of guy, uh, you know, leading uh, Texas in the, in the Senate. So you look at, at uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, and she is kind of the same way. And to the, to the, the question about does she have staying power, I think she may have staying power as long as she keeps up this uh, behavior of hers, and whether it's introducing a new Green Deal or it's you got to really stay out there and be, be fairly outlandish and, and very liberal and play to your, the extreme wing of your base in order to kind of stay at that level of shooting star. You know, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say Donald Trump. And I, I say that because Donald Trump and Adam Belmar, uh, AOC, kind of share the same love of facts. They don't really matter, do they? Oh, facts matter a great deal. I, I don't think that we should get to a point where we say they don't matter. Uh, now, I think a, a way to frame the question to get to the answer that you were looking for is, do they matter when it comes to burnishing your media um, credentials? And in that, the answer is no. Good rhetoric seems to trump all else. And I also think, along with the ABCs of AOC, let's get this right. She's just now about 30 years old. She is a native New Yorker. She graduated in the class of 2011 from Boston University. I am a 1996 oh, graduate. Boston University Boston connection. University. Um, she's obviously a very well-educated woman um, <laughs> who should be taken very seriously. Um, even though I don't agree with her uh, on, on her politics and her ideology, she has captured something that Donald Trump has. 
they're both show people. They both know how to, to speak to a camera, to speak to an audience, and to bring a lot of energy right. and fire wherever they go. That that makes everything work when you're trying to raise money, you're trying to raise awareness. From an energy perspective, a lots of personal energy, but she's kind of against fossil fuel energy, John Easton. She, uh, From a policy perspective, she's a little bit of a disaster. She wants to tax the rich at 70%, which would kill the economy, I think. Although I would like to see the rich pay the same rate that we're paying, which is about 38%. And a lot of these guys like Mitt Romney pay 15%, but that, I digress. She's got a lot of outlandish policy proposals out there. Does the policy matter, or is it how she delivers it matter? Both, clearly. And I, and I think that to... Adam's point, I mean, the, the difference between her and Donald Trump, I'm stating the obvious here, but she is a f- newly minted freshman member of Congress with no seniority. She's a legislator. You know, he's the president of the United States. And, you know, you, you couldn't get really two different kind of platforms. And I think that with what she has just done with, with Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts in unveiling this uh, Green New Deal is I think she's put the party in a really tough spot you know she has i mean let's i mean let's see it's there is it, right in the middle of this thing is redistribution of wealth which obviously is what you know she is a, a self-declared democratic socialist right yeah you could that could be more important so let me read this to you uh in this bill will require providing and leveraging in a way that ensures that the public receives appropriate ownership stakes and returns on investment Woo. that is Redistribution of wealth, my that's, friends. That's Marxism. Well, can we go to the, the mistakes that have been made around uh, this rollout? Because she had this blog post that the the candidates, the presidential candidates, and the Democratic Party, not the Democratic Socialist Party, uh, just vilified right away because it was just insane. And it basically said in the blog post that. Um, no fossil fuels. Every building in the United States needs to be completely uh, revamped to make it uh, green friendly. No, no airplanes. Uh, for a guaranteed job for all. I mean, it was just the whole kitchen sink was in there. And on top of it, she was trying to justify this private or public stake in return on investment as being, you know, we were making money because we were spending money. Now, we can influence an uptick economic activity, but she's playing to both ends against the middle economically. She, she's completely unhinged in terms of making a, a case for this. Uh, John Easton, the fascinating thing from my perspective was not that when she rolled this thing out as a freshman, it had tons of mistakes to it. I mean, it was a chock full of errors, chock full of... Uh, erroneous assertions and also very inconsistent with what was in the actual resolution that she introduced Um, the most fascinating thing from my perspective is all the presidential candidates without even looking at it sight unseen endorsed it because she was she was it was her deal it was her green deal Um, what do you think about that that the presidential candidates who are all kind of trying to see themselves as credible Alternatives to President Trump. They're, they're, these, are, these are the serious policy people, and they're endorsing AOC's crazy agenda. Except they're not serious policy people, except for maybe Amy Klobuchar, who she didn't sign on to the Medicare for All. Good for her, but she did sign on to this, mm-hmm. I think, uh, reflexively. I think it's where the, the energy of the base is. And I think that, um, you know, the presidential candidates are now not serious policy people anymore. They are running for president. It is all about platitudes. It is all about endearing yourself to that core constituency 
of the primary electorate. So that's that, that was pretty easy to see why they, they jumped on. But, um, you know, again, I think that uh, she's rolling out. She's got a lot of credibility with that part of the primary electorate. So in, in a way, she you could call her, I guess, a leader. I'd call her more of an activist, but... I, I was I was talking to a I had lunch yesterday with a, a nice guy millennial, reflexively liberal, but you know he, he liked Sherrod Brown, but we were talking about this Green New Deal, and he was uh, saying yeah he liked all of it. And I said well what parts do you like? And when he went through every part of it, and by the end of the conversation he was like all right well maybe I don't like it that much, but this is the thing Adam, the millennials love the idea of a Green New Deal because they are all so I think the environment is the number one issue for them. Much more so than jobs. Agreed that they are all in, both on her and this agenda and the issue of climate change. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, we spoke about uh, Howard Schultz, the former Starbucks CEO, last week. He has thrown his hat in, not in the Democratic field, as an independent of of would-be spoiler. He did a, a, a town hall with CNN this week. And he poo-pooed the Green New Deal. So not everybody's taken it up. He's as much a capitalist and a, a, a sort of robber baron of the 21st century. And when he looks at things, I think he's trying to be socially responsible. But he sees a bad, raw economic deal, and he calls it like he sees it. And I think that's a good thing for a lot of people to, to hear some truth on this. So, John Easton, thinking about Nancy Pelosi... And how does she control the energy of AOC without, you know, making her self look kind of out of touch? I think a lot of it actually has to do with AOC herself and how she performs. Because I think what this comes down to for uh, the folks like Ted Cruz, I, sp- I guess I have to say what he was in his earlier Senate iteration and what AOC is now is – you're either a legislator or you're an activist. And I don't really think you can be both inside of the halls of Congress. You can try, but I mean, I, you know, Ted Cruz tried and it just really flipped on him and it didn't work out that well for him. I don't, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi should give her too much oxygen. She'll suffocate the rest of her caucus or at least large part of it. And um, I think that she should mentor AOC as well and to, to teach her how to be a better legislator and because right now think about it AOC has no seniority she has no nobody's looking for her on uh, you know on committees to do certain things she has no committee chairmanships she I mean she really is down at the lowest rung and what makes her have this kind of star power is obviously the things we've been watching over the last six months and she took down a big time uh, incumbent from New York so I just I just think that if anybody can handle AOC, it is Nancy Pelosi. I think she's already doing it. So how I would – I think you're right. You know, when I was in the leadership, the thing that I always thought about is trying to deal with people who were rambunctious was give them something to do. Yeah. Give them an assignment. Make them do that assignment because, A, it keeps them busy. And, B, you know, they might get it done. And, and C, you want to co-opt those folks by giving – and to your point, John, I think it's an excellent point. You want to be a mentor to her, not an obstacle to her success. And I think she's very talented. And I'm thinking about uh, her – what has she done right from the media front? Well, just like people were completely flummoxed that a former television – I mean uh, – uh, 
well, television and movie actor would become president in Ronald Reagan. We realize now that uh, politics is a made-for-television sport, and you need to be a great communicator. You don't have to be the most beautiful person on the planet in order to be a great communicator. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but it does help, and she cuts a great figure, right? She she is a beautiful woman who has been involved in fashion shoots, but she is honest to goodness, authentic, and she has so much credibility. So what is she doing right? She's sort of, as the kids say, living her best life, and she's living it out loud. She's on Instagram. She's talking and in, involving herself in all of the things that are surrounding her causes and her people, I think that keeps her in the front and center. You say, and you say she has to sort of keep it up. She's got to be keeping that, that tempo up. I think that's what she's doing. And uh, I think in that regard, I have a tremendous amount of respect for her. Here's a question about keeping the tempo up. Does she play in Democratic primaries in 2020? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very dangerous place to, to go. And that obviously will earn the ire of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, for sure. But if she starts to try to dictate or help um, more liberal um, primary candidates against incumbents, that can cause real problems for the party, just like I think that this Green New Deal is going to cause a lot of problems for this party. Well, let me ask you this. If she does play in primaries... Will it hurt Democrats because she'll be playing in lots of Democratic primaries that uh, have these old incumbents that are going to go Democratic anyway? I mean, is it is it going to? Or do, does she help uh, elect a, or nominate a somebody who can't win a general? Oh, well, that's the question. And then the Democrats lose seats in the House because of that kind of activism. So I want to have one one word answer: uh, shooting star or staying power. What do you mean? Wait, which one is it for her? Uh, she's Neither. I think she's going to um, kind of fade off of this high ledge she's on now. So no staying power. What do you say? Staying power. I say shooting star. She's going to be – no one's going to be talking about her in another two years. This is our, our, our segment that people have been asking for, and we're going to do it one more time until we do it next week. What are you buying or selling, John Easton? I am going to buy, and this comes in – we're um, almost into another shutdown, but I think – President Trump's going to sign this legislation. I think that's sort of the conventional wisdom now around town. But um, given what the Capitol Hill has gone through over the past, um, what is it now, month and a half, I'm just going to buy Capitol Hill staff. I think they've endured a lot. And I know that a lot of the folks in the federal agencies who were furloughed, uh, who missed paychecks, um, you know, I, I, I'm very, very sympathetic to that. But there is some gloom and doom around the halls of Congress right now that is really, really unfortunate. And it's, again, it's one of those um, effects of a shutdown that don't, doesn't get talked about that much or doesn't get written about. Uh, but these are people that are really putting their shoulder to the wheel on a daily basis to try to get actually stuff done for this country. So I'm buying you, Capitol Hill staff. Adam Belvar, what are you buying or selling? Omaha, Omaha. I'm calling an audible. <laughs> um, I'm, you know what? Uh, people say it's a Hallmark holiday, but I'm going to buy Valentine's Day. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to your red tie. I'm going to do that because I, I just want to send out a lot of love to my Valentine. You're really special to me. You know who you are. Okay. I love you, mom. <laughs> All right. I like that. That's that's awesome. Uh, I'm buying the five. I'm buying the Friday fish fry, which we are bringing to Capitol Hill at St. Peter's Church. 
on uh, March 22nd the, for the Boy Scouts and March 29th for the Concerned Fathers of St. Peter's. They're both doing different fish fries to help raise money for these important organizations, the, the Boy Scouts and then Capitol, uh, the St. Peter's School. Um, both of these are, are great, going to be great events. They're going to be in the church basement. Please look around and buy tickets if you can. And come by. The fish is going to be great, and uh, the French fries are going to be great. And uh, for great, apparently everything is fried. Everything is fried. <laughs> Nothing, not everything fried. is going to be fried. Um, so I'm in favor of the Friday fish fry coming to Capitol Hill. With that, thank you for joining the Fury Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. EFB means excellent for business. Indeed.